today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. Well, Doug Ford will no longer be taking your call. Uh, he has canceled his uh, cell phone. I guess your call is not important to him after all. Anyway, uh, of course, he pro- promoted this song for the longest time, ever since uh, he took office about a year or so ago. Look, at, if you've got any problems, here's my cell number. Just call me anytime with any concerns. And that's the, the populist, I guess, in him. Uh, but if you're going to make that sort of a call, you better be willing to and able to handle some of the stuff you're going to get. And I guess that just uh, was not in the cards for the premier. Uh, they have blamed the uh, overwhelming number of negative phone calls from that on that cell phone uh, at what he calls special interest groups. Now you may remember, of course, when uh, they didn't like the results of the uh, the sex education uh, phone survey that they did, they blamed special interest groups too. So there's a common theme here. Uh, but anyway, let's uh, bring Christo Avilas into the conversation, Social Sciences and Humanities Research Council postdoctoral fellow in history at uh, the University of Toronto. Christo, great to have you on the show again. Thanks for the time today. Thanks for having me. It was was it inevitable that this was going to happen? That the the, the the this the tsunami of negativity was was just going to overwhelm the premier? You know, I think so. Actually, strange as it is, as it is, I have a YouTube channel and I made a video about this very topic where I talked about why this happened. And and my view is that that Doug Ford, when he did this, one he thought it would be good politics that you know it makes him look transparent, it makes him look accessible to the people. But I honestly thought Doug Ford thought he was going to be popular, that he was going to get a lot of great phone calls, and that it was going to, in a sense, legitimize what he was doing, and he was going to be able to say, well, look, the downtown Toronto elites and the the, 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 the elite media and the, the unions and the quote-unquote special interest groups are are against me, but the regular people will call me at, you know, 7 at night, and they'll say, Doug, you're doing a great job, and I don't think he got the response he was expecting, and I think, frankly, that's probably why he canceled it. I don't really know if this was driven by special interest groups as much as it was driven by Ontarians, both those who, who never voted for Ford, and maybe those who did, uh, expressing disappointment and disillusionment with the government one year in. There is nothing worse than a voter scorn, is there, Christo? I mean, you know, if, if you, and I think there's a lot of people that were in this situation, uh, were so disenchanted with Kathleen Wynne and the Liberals that just said, you know what, I, I'm, I'm going the other way. I don't know much about this guy, but it's got to be better than what we've got. Now here we are a year later, and you, you've got voter remorse, and you, you, you bet you're going to get on the phone and say, what do you think you're doing with the cuts to, to autism and to this and to that and to that? I'm sure he got an earful from those people. Yeah, no, certainly. And I mean, there's, there's one, there's one thing, it's one thing to you know, have a government that makes a promise and then keeps the promise, and then people never understood the consequences of that. Like the government could say, look, we're going to cut taxes and we're going to cut public services. Let's say that you know, Tim Hudak ran in a very clear you know, uh, transparent platform. And then people are mad because they got what they voted for, but it wasn't what they expected. With Doug Ford, at least in some cases, it's, you know, Doug Ford didn't promise the things he's doing, and in some cases promised not to do them. So, for instance, if you're a, uh, you know, if you're a, a, a teacher, or if you're a person who requires good, you know, you're, you're a parent of a student, or what have you, or you're a student yourself, and now your, your courses are being cut, your class sizes are growing, that wasn't what Doug Ford promised. I mean, maybe he made an explicit promise to not cut one single, you know, frontline job, and that we know that in, in many districts they're losing hundreds of teachers. Um, the reality is, is people would call and they'd be quite angry, and I think reasonably so. And I think that that that's a sort sort of betrayal. There was, you know, also people. There was a you know a news report a couple months ago, you know, when the basic income pilot was being, um, you know, uh, canceled, where there was a Ford voter 
who said that, you know, Doug Ford promised to at least let the pilot run its course, and now he's, uh, his government's cutting it early, and I feel really betrayed. And I think those are the sorts of people who probably made phone calls to his phone, and those were probably not pleasant phone calls to field. Uh, and, and therein lies the problem, of course. You know, that once you ask for public opinion, you better be ready to accept public opinion. Hey, I got to ask you on that point, though, Christo. Is, is he living in a bubble? Uh, I, I mean, some politicians are like that. You know, they they surround themselves with people who say, "Hey, you're great. You're doing a fabulous job." Uh, they seem to only listen to people that say that. And and clearly, I, I'm trying to connect the dots here uh, with these negative phone calls, and I'm looking at the, at the popularity polls. I mean, the conservatives are down in the low 20s when it comes to approval ratings. Ford's personal approval rating is even lower than that. So, I mean, it, it would be inevitable, wouldn't it, that if people are going to – obviously, a lot of people have ter- changed their minds about this government uh, since Election Day last year. And they're going to make him know. They're going to make him feel exactly the way that they feel about this. And so there was going to be some feedback and some negative feedback, I would think. Yeah, no, certainly. I mean, well, Doug Ford was. You know, the nature of our first past the post system means that you know you can win a majority government with you know forty percent or less. So you know, Doug Ford going in didn't have the support of a majority of Ontarians. So he was already sort of, you know, like most governments in Canada, you, you never really have a support of a majority in a province like Ontario where you have three real, uh, you know, three uh, credible parties and maybe even the Greens now uh, growing as well. Um, so he was always on the back foot in that sense. But, but you're right in noting that he's very unpopular. Um, and then there was that recent poll that was talked about in the Toronto Star that said two-thirds of Ontarians don't think Doug Ford cares about them or people like them. And that's not a very good sign for a guy who wants to be seen as a man of the, you know, of the people, quote-unquote. I don't know if he lives in a bubble so much, uh, you know, he, you know, ironic as it is, Doug Ford is 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 a is a downtown Toronto elite. Uh, he's, you know, he's he's at Queens Park a lot. Uh, he, he's surrounded by his staff there. Uh, he probably consumes, you know, media. But if that media is uh, is the Sun, he probably gets a more uh, credible portrayal than he does in, a, or a more a favorable portrayal than he does in say the Star or in a lot of you know, uh, you know, centrist media. And and the reality is that I I, I I I think he thought he was going to be able to be popular because people would like what he was doing. That you know he was going to cut the fat, and people were going to realize that the cuts he were making was it was a good thing, and that the PCs sort of thought they could have it both ways, where they could you know not actually be truthful with the voters. Because here's what I, I I know happened. This is this is my belief. They saw what Tim Udak did. And they knew that the solution to winning the election was to not tell the voters what they were going to do. You know, because you know, Andrea Horlath had a fully transparent platform. Kathleen Wynne had four years of a record to run on. Whether you liked it or not, she had that record. Doug Ford literally had a smattering of promises here and there. And some of them were kept and some of them weren't. And I think that they thought that the voters just needed to have it done to them, and then they would be happy. And then Doug Ford is shocked, I think, that they're not happy and that's why the phone line got canceled, because he probably was getting bombarded. And I don't think by special interest groups um, so much as, you know, just regular people with, you know, interests in their day-to-day lives. Yeah, I, I don't buy that special interest stuff. I mean, that's that's a, a, a t- typical tactic these days, isn't it, Crystal, to try to demonize uh, people that are in opposition to you, whether it's the public or another political party or another politician, whatever the case might be. Uh, and, and it's worked. To, to some degree in the past, but I, I, don't, I don't think it's working this time. Uh, anytime there's anybody opposed to him, he says it's special interest groups, it's the elitist. And, and the, the, the paradox there, as you've just described, 
is is the very people that Doug Ford calls elitists are, are a pretty apt description of what Doug Ford is. Uh, I know, and he's, yet he tries to put himself out there as a populist, and I'm not so sure that a lot of people are buying that now. No, I mean, it's very interesting if you think about it in some ways. Justin Trudeau supporters don't like Doug Ford. Doug Ford supporters don't like Justin Trudeau. But they're both men who, um, you know, uh, are, are where they are, at least in part because of, you know, the great privilege they have through their fathers and through their families and the wealth, but also the political connections. And so that's the mark of an elite. Doug Ford is not a self-made man. You know, Doug Ford maybe comes from Etobicoke, but he has long roots in big city Toronto politics. And, you know, Doug Ford says that he's for the people, but, you know, the, uh, so much of the political funding that, 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 that went to Ontario Proud and a lot of the groups that helped Doug Ford were driven by elite developer money and not necessarily from, you know, parents with children with autism. And so, you know, Doug Ford in that sense, I think, is trying to say, well, this is the special interest, a.k.a. the unions or the environmentalist groups. Or, or the you know the LGBTQ you know groups, but he says at the end of the day, I don't think that's true. Those groups, if they were really bombarding his personal cell phone line, the line would have been canceled months ago because those groups would have been able to funnel thousands of calls. I do think that groups like that, and whether they're special interest groups on the quote unquote left, right, or center, um, they they do have phone in campaigns, but they're almost always launched at you know, the formal lines, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. you know, send an email to your local MPP or send a call to your local MPP, or we're going to protest the local MPP or the premier's office or what have you, and there's been a lot of that. But to my knowledge, I don't think I've seen any real coordinated effort to attack Doug Ford's personal cell phone. I do think that it's a lot of people who are who are just a little disenchanted with him, um, you know, right now on an individual basis, and, and they've chosen to make that call, and, and, and Doug Ford wasn't happy with the results he was getting. And, I mean, Ontario's a big province. I mean, if you were PEI, maybe you could give out your personal cell phone number and get a moderate amount of calls you know, as premier, because it's, you know, it's the size of PEI is the population of a, a small Ontario city. But the reality is that you know, Ontario's got millions and millions of people. And, I mean, I think this is a bad idea in general, but I think for Ford, it certainly isn't working out. Well, because, as I say, the the politicians that try to portray themselves as this always try to say, okay, anybody else is, you know, they're the, they're the bad guys, they're the evil guys. Uh, and you try to demonize this. I mean, you know, the Harris government, uh, you know, shone the light on, on social service recipients, welfare recipients, and said that, you know, the more that, you know, he said, what, it was it, 40% of them were cheats or something like this. And there's no number to validate that. But uh, And then he said doctors were elitists, you know, because they made way too much money, and nurses and, and teachers, and it went on and on. And I guess his supporters bought into that. I don't know, except for those hardcore Ford supporters uh, are buying into this. I don't think the public is anymore. I think they understand that. Look at the, you know, when we find teachers getting laid off like this after he stood up there more than once and said, nobody will lose their job because of this. And now they're losing their jobs. Of course, people are going to become disenchanted. No, no, certainly. And I mean, again, you say with Harris. You know, even Harris, you know, he won some very commanding majorities. But even in Harris's days, you know, he really never had a majority of support in the province because, you know, the liberals in the NDP, even though they were weaker at that time because Harris won very commanding results, they still had, you know, uh, more, more, you know, a plurality of votes between them. Um, but Harris, again, was, was at least partially clear on what he was going to do. Maybe uh, people didn't know the full consequences of his actions, but he was more transparent in, like, the run-up to elections. I think with Ford, I think what this really comes down to is that 
you know, we can all have a hearty chuckle that, you know, Ford had to cancel a cell phone number because too many people were calling him and complaining. And I think that's, you know, that's fine. But I think it's actually something quite instructive because if Ford honestly believed this was, you know, a, a, a tool to make the government and make the premier more accessible and transparent, then by him canceling the line, effectively what he's doing is he's cutting off that, that accessibility and that transparency. And so Doug Ford can't have it both ways. If he was touting this line as a way to be with the people and be there for the people and that, you know, if you need legal aid, I'm cutting legal aid, but if you need a lawyer, you can call me and I'll get you your legal aid. If you remember that, that line yeah, he said, I do, yeah. you're not only calling people just for your opinion, but specifically call me for public services. You know, when you do that and then you back out, that's a big thing. This is not like Doug Ford's cell phone number was leaked on the Internet and people were harassing him. That's, that's a totally different thing. Doug Ford made his personal cell phone number an, a, a political brand and then he's reneged on it. And I think that's why he's getting a lot of heat, and I think deservedly so. And, and listen, I don't doubt that, that some of those messages and some of those things that he received on his phone were probably vitriolic and, and maybe even personal. I, and that's unfortunate. Uh, and if he's victimized by that, well, you know, that's there's a long line of politicians. Everybody at every level of government seems to, to get that kind of treatment right now from a certain segment that do things like that on social media. And if they had that availability, they'll get that. And I, I understand that. Uh, but by the same token, you can't just say, well, that means they're all, you know, they, they've got an agenda necessarily. I mean, if, if if one of those phone calls was, for instance, from a teacher that just lost their job, that's not a special interest group. That's somebody whose personal interest is, the, is about their career. Or if you have a family that all of a sudden found out that their autism funding has been cut and they don't know what they're going to do, they may have to take a second mortgage out on their house to be able to pay for the treatment. Uh, yeah, that's not special interests. I mean, let's, let's, let's be clear about exactly what's going on. There are a lot of upset people in this province right now. No, no, certainly, and I agree. Then this is, I guess, a standard tactic um, for Ford, which is that, you know, there are certain groups that are special interests, and those are the groups that are generally in opposition to him. But, you know, say a business that wants a, a tax cut or that, you know, companies complaining about quote-unquote red tape, those aren't special interests. Those are the general interests of the people. So part of this is ideological framing, you know. And I mean, you can even add in students who is, whose OSAP is affected and may not be able to go back to school, you know, in the fall or start school in the fall, you know, at college or university because of uh, the, the government changes. And, and, I, and I mean, I agree. I think when you're talking about these phone lines, I, 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 I want to stress that if anybody was, you know, calling Doug Ford and threatening him or calling him or his family names or in a kind of hateful way, that that's, that's not appropriate. But I think this is much like Twitter, and, and I'm of the view that, you know, politicians on social media, um, you know, shouldn't be able to block people um, because they need to be able to have, uh, people need to be able to have access. You can mute people, but you can't block people. And Doug Ford, in a sense, made his phone into a sort of hybrid form of social media by basically telling the public, telling businessmen and telling regular people, be like, you can call me for support or advice or complaints or what have you. He made that into it, and I, and I do feel that when he did that, um, he sort of opened himself up to legitimate critique. And while he, if he is, was getting harassing or threatening complaints, I think he should have dealt with that through you know, police and, and things like that and blocked specific phone numbers. But uh, in my view, if you're going to commit to making your phone number public in transparency, I think you have to keep it public. 
Well, and I, in my commentary this morning, I used the, the analogy, Krista. I said Ford should actually look at this, as you say, uh, from an, a constructive point of view. And this, I said these negative phone calls are the canary in the gold mine for Ford. He should, it, it, or the, because he's, he's got these low approval ratings, and now all of a sudden all these negative phone calls, that should be a wake-up call to say, hey, listen, you know what, maybe we need to rethink some of the things we're doing. And, and I don't know that they're necessarily going to do that, but, you know, politicians that ignore the, the mood of the public uh, do so at their own peril. No, I think that's a great point. And I think in some ways, you know, maybe Doug Ford sees the polls. Because, you know, governments and political parties, they do polling uh, in, in, in excess of what we see as the public, like, uh, you know, it's covered in the media. And so I'm sure there's been polling done that probably confirms that what we're thinking, which is that the PCs have lost a lot of support that Ontario is maybe a three-way race right now where any of the three main parties could win, and that, you know, whereas Andrew Horlath remains quite popular, uh, Doug Ford is extremely unpopular, and none of these things look good for the PCs going into 2022. And there's a lot of PC MPPs who won their ridings by relatively small margins that are concerned uh, going into the next election that they'll lose their seat to either Liberals or the NDP. And so I think that these phone calls in some ways are, are more are a more visceral form of polling, uh, biased as they are, that, that, that something needed to be changed. And this is why I think it's another reason why it's concerning the numbers were canceled, because maybe it's Doug Ford saying, you know, I had the opportunity to listen to people, to hear from people, to talk to people who have real disagreements and concerns about my policy path, and I just don't want to hear it. And maybe that's a sign that Doug Ford doesn't want to hear these things, and maybe that's an, indict- an indictment of our system of government, because in a majority government, you know, in effect, he's been given four or five years of, of, of power that's very, very difficult to, to challenge in any way with only 40% of the problems backing him. And so maybe Doug Ford thinks cynically, look, I'm down right now, but I just got to get back to 35 36%, and I'll be premier again for another three, four years, and, and I, I don't really need to care about two-thirds of the province. And, I mean, that's the nature of our system, and maybe Doug Ford feels it's not worth listening to Ontarians. Uh, if, you know, all he needs to do is to get that one-third of the population to vote for him. Uh, we'll see how this rolls out over the uh, the weeks ahead. Uh, Christo, thanks as always. Always a pleasure having you on the program. Thanks for having me. Christo Avel is, of course, from uh, University of Toronto. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML. For most of us, crime is something we see on the news. We never think it could happen to us until it does. Loved ones are gone, and for the survivors, the scars will never heal. I'm Nancy Hickst, a senior crime reporter for Global News. And on this season of Crime Beat, I'll take you inside some of the most serious crime stories I've covered. Season six of Crime Beat is available now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and all podcast platforms.